Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well done. Hey, it's so good to be back with you. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here, uh, lead pastor here, and it's an honor to be gathering with you in person, and thank you for those of you joining online. Glad to have you as well. Really excited to continue our series, Life Beneath the Service, today. And if you've missed it, this series is building on itself throughout the year. We kicked off with some vision stuff for the year together as a church, kind of where we're going in this 2024 season. But in addition, uh, now we're kind of starting to look beneath the surface. And so the last couple of weeks, we had Dr. Tamar Powell from CU Denver out talking about grief. Was that not awesome? It was so helpful, so helpful. Um, And then last week, we had Maddie talking on forgiveness and anger. Was that amazing? Was it not? Put your hands together. Come on, give it up for Maddie and Tamara. Man, they did such a good job. Uh, And then today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And so uh, while I'm not necessarily excited, it's kind of weird to be excited. So I got to start on a high note and bring us back down, and we'll we'll go places today. But I got some announcements that are exciting. So I got to give you those first. Can I do that for you? All right, very good. All right, number one, big deal. City Church is turning five next week, guys. Come on. That's so amazing. God called my wife and I and a small team over the course of a a few years to Boulder back in uh, 2016. We launched City Church in 2019, survived the pandemic, which was amazing. So did you. Well done. And then here we are again, did like a grand reopening in 21, and City Church will be five years old next Sunday. Now, it's a big day of celebration. I want you to mark your calendars, plan to stay afterward. We're gonna, the service is going to look a little different, less of a message and more celebration, lots of stories that we're sharing and all of that. And so really excited to come together and celebrate with you and talk a little bit, dream together about where we're going. But in addition, afterwards, we have a taco truck on the house. Let's go. And, uh, and then Custom City Church Donuts they have our little logo on them, super cool. So dessert and tacos, hanging out, building community. So it's a great day for you to be here, hang out for lunch, and also to bring someone with you just to come and party. So really excited to celebrate with you guys. A pretty big milestone. Um, just statistically, if you don't know this, when it comes to planting churches, especially like in the West and like uh, primarily unchurched uh, areas, churches, the stat is that most churches don't make it past year five. So if they don't make it to year five, they're not going to make it at all. And so, man, we're just grateful for God's grace and his goodness and also this community and all that God is doing in and through it. So put your hands together for God's goodness. So excited. Um, Next up, we have Easter around the corner. Can you believe it? Easter is coming up. It's crazy. We get to celebrate it every week, but this is a unique time. We get to celebrate in some different ways in our community. And so in the lobby, you're going to see some cards that look just like this hanging up on a display by the, the doors as you walk out. And so Easter, as it's coming, we're going to start prepping for it. We do a massive, massive block party with a couple thousand eggs and uh, uh, bounce houses and snow cones and all kinds of crazy stuff. We have, we're getting so well known, known for it that, that like the park is getting too small that where we throw it in. It's so fun. And so a couple things are coming. You're going to be invited to volunteer for that, come and serve the city with us and all that. But right now, all I need from you is to grab one or two or 15 of these cards. Each card represents 150 candies or, or those little plastic eggs. Please don't bring real eggs. 
We're not boiling eggs and hiding them for kids, right? That's, that's a little weird. We're not doing that. So plastic eggs, candies, so those are on that display. You grab one that represents, hey, I'm committing to bring this back. It's got the date on it. You guys track it with me? Just help us get all those eggs ready. We'll prep them for the block party, okay? Uh, so that is coming up. Now, before all of that, really excited. We have our next community night coming up. Let's go. It's been a minute. If, you, if you've not been around for a community night, we rent out a local tap room down the street, a new local business in town. We'd love to support them. It's a really cool space. Drinks are on the house, and it's a really cool way. You might have some friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, all of that, that might, might not ever come with you to a city church gathering, and that's okay because we're a church that exists to help people find the, their way to God from where they are, meaning we, won't, we don't wait for them to come to us. We love people like Jesus loved us, and we go to them. This is kind of a middle ground, what we would call a third space, uh, a place where, hey, you know what, they might not come sit with you on a Sunday, but they would come and engage in community at this cider night. And so we want to invite you. Uh, it's going to be an incredible evening. You're going to get cards on the way out the door today, invites. It's also going to be on all of our social platforms, so you can grab the digital images or invite people that way, however you like. But it's a really awesome night where we intentionally build community, and there's no strings attached. It's no like mini sermon at the end of the gathering. Ha ha, gotcha. None of that, right? It's just a very simple invitation to build community and, and allow people who are far from God just be simply exposed to life-giving community in the way of Jesus together, okay? And then through that, what we, what we find always is that God cultivates spiritual dialogue, and we have the opportunity to see really cool things happen from this evening, and that's really where you come in. And so it's not just about inviting people. It's also about you making the priority to be there and then be ready for God to use you, whether it's with someone you brought or someone that you don't even know. And that's where the next invite comes up. We are doing a spiritual engagement training on Sunday, March 10th. In prep for not only the community night, but also the Easter block party. So we love serving our city. We love engaging. We love being generous. All those things are massively like Jesus. And in addition to that, we also want to be equipped to love and serve people where they are. And so uh, what we don't want is, you know, you find yourself in a conversation and someone's like, hey, tell me about your, your journey with Jesus. And then you go, oh, hey, let me, let me introduce you to my pastor Drake, right? Don't, don't do that, okay? I'm going to hide in the bushes. You're going to be stuck talking to them. So you might be in this place where like, man, how do I have helpful conversations that aren't weird, that aren't preachy, that aren't like stuffy, we're not knocking doors, and if you died today, where would you, you know, none of that. Like, how do you honestly have helpful conversations around uh, uh, um, just life and spirituality? And what we, what we teach is conversation quadrants. How do you move a conversation from, conversation from like casual to meaningful to spiritual? And again, not, not moving as in there's an agenda, like I'm only talking to you because I have one thing on my mind, and that's to get us to this. No, that's not it at all. It's, I care about you enough, and I'm paying attention to this conversation that if God is doing something, then I want to be able to go there with you and not be stunted or intimidated or like, I don't know, I don't have the words. So this training is very simple. It's very practical. So, so I'm not going to stand and talk to you for, for 30 minutes. It's, hey, here's some tools. Now practice in community together. And so on your blue connection cards there, it's going to go out in the email. So if you, if you haven't filled out, uh, out a card yet, fill out that card, and you go in our email system. We're going to send you the invite for this, but also today you can sign up by circling the letter S on your connection card. That's just giving us an idea of who else coming so we can provide food and all of that, child care if you need it, things like that. But it'll be right after the service, about an hour, hour and a half of our time. We'll do lunch together, and then we'll do this training. And again, it's way more practice, just actually having conversations that move from casual to meaningful to spiritual. And it's pretty easy because there's a bunch of people in that room you won't know. And so it's actually quite easy to just practice and say, oh, this is not as weird as it feels. So we want to equip you both for community night and for the Easter block party just to be ready for God to use you and then what you're going to find is that God wants to use you everywhere you go, right? 
So you can do this with your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family member. I was at a wedding over uh, last weekend with Danielle and I uh, and celebrating all that God's doing. And uh, uh, the groom, he invited a ton of his friends and army buddies and he's been praying for them. He's like, man, I really want them to know God's love and Jesus has changed my life. And he said, I've been praying for them like crazy. And we're at this wedding and God is just like initiating all of these spiritual conversations. Like not, not us, not me and Vince, the people on the other side of the table are asking crazy questions or telling about things that we would never talk about normally. And Vince leans over and he's like, what is God doing? Like, I've been praying for this and it's like just falling in my lap. And I'm like, right. And he's like, and, and I feel like I've got some of the tools to actually have these conversations now. I'm like, yeah, man, that's the whole point. You're, you're the guy. So we're praying for Vince. Not, not that his, his dudes come to City Church and we baptize them, but Vince gets to baptize his buddies as he introduces them to Jesus. You guys tracking with me? It's pretty cool. So I'm just, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you that, hey, God wants to use you like that if you'll let him. So hope that's exciting for you. Circle the letter S, okay? Um, all right, let's go back to topic today, anxiety and depression. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you ready? Okay. Um, this is, ah, all right, so we're in this series, Life Beneath the Surface. We started with some practices to open up your life to Jesus and his way. And, and so again, if you're new here, so glad you're here. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. Our mission is to help people find their way to God from where they are. And we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together here in Boulder. And so no matter where you're walking in, you're loved, safe, and welcome, but really wanna help you take some next steps on your faith journey, whatever that might mean for you. And today, we're, we're digging into a topic that's very normal, and, and, and it's sad that it's normal, but it is, it is what sociologists are beginning to call the dominant reality in the West. Specifically for millennials and Gen Z, this is becoming known as the dominant reality that people live in. This is, the, you know, we, we talk sometimes about the water that we swim in. Anxiety and then it's kind of longer lasting companion depression, they just float around in the world that we live in and it's really challenging because it exists in and outside of the church. So, so what do we do with this? And, and listen, depending on where you are, like some of you, you experience like moderate, there's a hum of anxiety or just over the general life. Some of you, circumstances blow up anxiety for you. Some of you, people blow up anxiety for you. Some of you live in a constant state of it. And some of you really are struggling with depression. And listen, tons of compassion and love for you. And we're here to help. Um, but we have different relationships with anxiety. If you're like me and you kind of run away from your feelings and, and try to avoid them, then when anxiety shows up, you just kind of pretend like it's not there and, I, and, and, and try to figure out other things or distract yourself into oblivion or, or numb yourself away from those things. So everyone's got different relationships and approaches to today's conversation. So I want to start with kind of the big umbrella and then we'll get into Jesus and the scriptures together. So let me just give you a couple of stats. In 2010, more than 253 million prescriptions were written for antidepressants in, in, in the U.S. alone, which is staggering for a nation that only has 330 million people. Antidepressants have become the second highest volume drug in the U.S., so only medications for cholesterol are beating them out, and that's because we eat our feelings. <laughs> That was kind of funny. All right, okay. Anyway, not everybody, but some people. All right, anyway. and, and, and so listen, in fact, in 2010 alone, Americans spent $11.6 billion on antidepressants. And that was over a decade ago. The stats from this last year, in 2023, more than 50,000 people died by suicide last year. This is the highest to date on record 
of suicide rates. What that tells us is that the American dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not paying out like it promised. And things are only getting worse, not better. A a pandemic magnified a reality that was already in our culture, and it hasn't slowed down on the other side. Now, you might hear those stats and feel for all the people, or you might be one of those people. And listen, there's no shame in any of this, because what we're trying to do is figure out how to manage it, right? And so today, what I want to do is, hey, take take a broad look at this conversation, both for yourself and for others that you know, and say, hey, is there a way from Jesus, or a practice in the way of Jesus, that helps us to begin to manage and change our relationship to anxiety and depression. I think it's helpful to, to define terms, so it might feel, this, I'm stealing all of this by the way, I'm not this smart, but it might be helpful to define terms as we talk about it, otherwise it kind of gets muddy. So let me just give you a couple of quick definitions and maybe this will help you know what we're talking about. So anxiety, just like the textbook definition is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Does that sound familiar? Just kind of like like this space of worry, a hum of anxiety. Uh, here's what John Mark Comer uh, uh, defines anxiety as. He says, he says fe- fear is not always a bad thing, but when fear becomes perverted, when it becomes warped into something long-lasting, when it moves into something drawn out, you end up with something called anxiety. Anxiety is when fear takes over your mind. Anxiety is when fear moves from the tangible to the hypothetical. Anxiety is when the what-ifs of life suffocate your brain. I love that line. You ever felt that way? Like your brain's just suffocating. Anxiety is when you can't fall asleep at night. Anxiety is when you can't relax and take a nap, or if you do, you wake up in the same position that you dozed off. And anxiety is when your mind won't turn off. Anxiety is when your imagination runs haywire with no boundaries and limits. Anxiety is, is what we would call the passive state. And what we see Jesus actively talk about is worry. So that's the noun and the verb form. Does it make sense to you guys? So anxiety is the passive side. Worry is the active side of, of, of just constantly letting it replay in your mind. Now, anxiety versus depression, now listen, I'm no scientist, okay, and I'm no, no sociologist, I'm none of those, okay, I'm a pastor, so a little bit of grace today, but from what I understand, depression um, is severe despondency, here's the textbook definition, severe despondency and dejection typically felt over a period of time and accompanied by feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy, or here's how John Mark Homer talks about it, he says, when sorrow stretches out for long periods of time, you start to deal with depression. Depression is when sorrow becomes a way of life, not just a face. Depression is emotional, and it infects, it infects and ruins the realm of the soul. So, so there's kind of two different realms, and there's a lot of bleed room here, and, and so I'm not trying to create boxes this morning at all, but anxiety tends to live more in the realm of the mind, whereas depression begins to move into both the mind and the emotion. Does that make sense to you guys? And what's interesting, here's, here's, what, here's why this matters, what's interesting is the doctors that are prescribing all of these medications are using the same medication for anxiety and depression. Why is that? Maybe it's because the way that we think tends to influence how we feel. Maybe it's because the thought patterns that we have, the mental maps that we curate and live into impact who we become. So for our purposes today, we're going to deal primarily with anxiety, but I would argue that the tools that I'm going to offer today are also helpful tools in the realm of depression, but maybe there's some additional resources that are needed at the same time. 
So here's my very simple question for you today. Where are you with anxiety and or depression? Like, and, and, and it's probably going to make you anxious just as we start talking about it. You're like, oh, no, there it is. So what kind of things cause you anxiety? And I, I have found that most things that cause me anxiety are small things in relation to, like, some of my friends are walking through some really big stuff that I look at mine and I almost, like, kind of, I'm like, I shouldn't even be stressed about this because of what they're walking through. But I think what we're learning over this series is, hey, no matter what's in front of you, you're not devaluing yours. and it just They're both valued and they're both legitimate. So what kind of things cause you anxiety? The circumstances around you, a lot of people that I'm talking to lately, it's jobs and career and future and finances and relationships that are or are not happening or relationships that are struggling or friendships that are or are not doing well and uh, just the future in general. I have a lot of uh, people that are walking through just a medical diagnosis and just lack of control in those areas. There's lots of stress and anxiety. Maybe it's experiences and events for you. You just look at world events, entering into another election year, things like that, and you're just like, immediately there's that low hum coming back, or maybe it never left. Or maybe it's people for you. Maybe there's just a, a single person in your life that the second that you see a text from them or an email or their, phone, their, their ID pops up on your phone and there's just a tightness in your, in your chest. If it's me, don't tell me, okay? That's rude. But, but like, right, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like there's lots of different relationships to anxiety. So what is it for you? So again, I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist, but just trying to help you and I follow Jesus, practice the way of Jesus together in Boulder, and have a biblical worldview. So, so this is not against medication, not against therapy, any of that stuff. This is just an invitation to look at the way of Jesus. So here's two frameworks that I'd like to give us. And actually, let me give you this resource before we go any further. This, uh, this book uh, is called uh, My Name is Hope by John Mark Comer. And if you find yourself wrestling with anxiety and depression, um, this is at the top of my list. Of re- I mean, there's a ton of books on my list, but this is one of the top ones for me. Um, he's a, a, a really phenomenal thinker and theologian, uh, a pastor in, in a church in Portland, um, and kind of hit burnout and got super depressed. And, you know, so he's this really big Jesus dude that starts to wrestle with depression and anxiety. And he's like, how, how, how can these two things be compatible? So if you ever feel like you're alone, this book is a really helpful space of reminding you that you're not alone. In fact, a lot of the biblical characters in the, in the scope of Scripture struggle with depression and anxiety. That's why we find a lot of hope in the book of Psalms, for example, because we see kind of every angle of the good and the bad and the ugly. And so this is a really helpful book and resource. I just want to recommend to you, if you find that this conversation kind of leaves some things unanswered or things like hanging that you need to dig into more, highly recommend it. Okay, you guys good with that? Okay, let, let, let me give you just two thoughts this morning as we get into the text today, and that is this. We can think of, and I would argue that the primary way that the West talks about anxiety and depression is kind of this approach to a disease, as in, and there's nothing, I'm not saying that there's not pieces here that are true, but uh, the idea is that this is all chemical. There's an imbalance in your body. You're sick. You're sick in your head. You're sick in your body, and the disease is anxiety and depression, and while, while there's some legitimacy to those conversations, another way that I think would be helpful to think about anxiety and depression is more as a symptom than a disease. A symptom meaning there's something going on. There is a root cause behind the experience. It's like the check engine light on your car, right? When that comes on, like, you don't get a Sharpie and, like, mark it out, right? You're like, ah, oh, fixed it, all done, right? What's going on? The check engine light is there for a purpose. It is a signal telling you something is wrong under the hood. I think it could be argued that anxiety and depression both manifest themselves as signals of something deeper under the surface of our lives that we're dealing with. 
And the challenge is how do we root out what that is? How do we figure out what's causing anxiety and depression? And then what do we do with it? And so as, as we think about, again, depression and anxiety as maybe a symptom rather than a disease, it begins to change things, right? Because if it's a disease, then you're a victim, right? Something happening to you that you have no control over. And again, lots of, like, this is not downplaying the need for medication. It's not, uh, I, I remember when Danielle uh, was walking through uh, postpartum and like all of that stuff, and I, it's very real. So it's not downplaying any of that. So in addition to the medical side, that's very helpful, if it is indeed also a symptom, then what's going on underneath? Because uh, if, if it's a disease and, and it's just happening to us, then you can try every medication known to man, you can pray for the right drug, the right prescription, the right diagnosis, but at the end of the day, you're just kind of hoping for the best, right? Like hoping something fixes it for you. And the problem is, is that that's not normally what happens. But if depression and anxiety, if they're symptoms, it actually changes this conversation. Because you're, you're not a victim. You actually have some influence and control over what's happening. Now, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean you can do it alone. It doesn't mean you should do it alone. It doesn't mean you don't need medication and therapy. And all those things are good things, community alongside you. But you get to start asking the question, what's causing anxiety? What's underneath the surface? What's making me miserable? You get to dig and to probe and go to counseling and open up with f- friends and family and your city group and fast and pray and talk to God and start to root out what's actually going on. So let me give you an example. Um, let, let's say you have a broken leg. You can take aspirin and Vicodin and like Oxy and all kinds of drugs to numb the pain of a broken lug- leg, yeah? But those drugs will never fix your broken leg. The only way for you to walk again is to deal with the actual root problem. That's to open up the leg, reset the bones, and allow healing to begin. In the same way, antidepressants, they don't make you happy. They they, they just numb the pain. And so the simple invitation is, is is that really the best we've got? Like, we're just going to settle for like a mediocre, feeling less lifestyle? Or is there what Jesus called life to the full on the other side? doesn't mean we don't walk through hard things. It doesn't mean you have to, don't process a lot. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean it's, not, it's even a short period of time. It doesn't mean at the end of the service today, we pray the right kind of prayer and all of a sudden anxiety is just gone. Depression's just gone. Not at all. But there is a practice from the way of Jesus, practices from the way of Jesus that help us to counteract exactly that. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I wasn't going to use this passage. Jesus said a lot about worry and anxiety as well. And the more that I prayed over it, the more that God said, we just need this. It's something that's familiar, which is why I didn't want to use it, because I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of the go-to. And I'm like, actually, no, we just need to be reminded of something that maybe is right in front of us. And so here we are again in Philippians 4. We did a series in Philippians over the summer last year. And in context, Paul is writing to a community who's kind of walking through conflict and uh, dealing with reconciliation. And so he's wrapping up the letter with this kind of conclusion right here. Verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. You feel better? That fix it for you? I I was really hoping we could just kind of pray and go home at this point. That was my... That was my plan, right? Okay, so here's the command. Do not be anxious about anything. Great. (laughs) Check. Done. We just break a pew. It's all right. These things are massively old. It's honestly a miracle that everyone's still sitting upright, so (laughs) just try not to breathe, okay, or move in a bad direction. Hey, one day, five years old, one day we're going to, like, get some different chairs in here. It'll be sweet, okay? Um, so, so do not be anxious about anything, like whether or not the seat that you're sitting in is going to hold you up, okay? Don't, don't be anxious about that. 
<laughs> but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We just read, we sang this song. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the command, right? The problem is that doesn't exactly fix it for anybody. So how, like, the how is what follows from the command. And what, what he's doing here is he's echoing Jesus from Matthew 6. Jesus, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. He's like, hey, well, when you're thinking about worry, he's like, don't, don't worry. Do not worry. It's a command. Do not worry. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers in the field. He's like, man, the birds, they're doing great. The flowers, they're beautiful. They're not stressed. Like, like when's the last time that you saw a stressed out sparrow? Right, like, like, and when's the last time that you saw a lily on like, you know, antidepressants, right? You're like, it, it's meant to kind of be comical because that's the point. And then Jesus concludes, he's like, look at how God takes care of everything else. And then he says this line that makes me laugh every time. He's like, are you not worth more than a bunch of birds? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, like, thanks. Like, yeah, I probably am, you know? So, so it's this really helpful space of like, man, God cares for the birds of the air and the lilies that they're not stressed, they're not working hard. He says, don't worry. God cares for you much more and he already knows what you need. So Paul's echoing that here. But then what I want you to see is the how that he gives us to actually press into the command. So for, the, for a follower of Jesus, this is the command, do not be anxious, but here's the how. In every situation, so what, what do you think that applies to? Like every situation, you know what I mean? So the big, small, the stuff that's like making your world fall apart and the little stuff that you kind of think is silly, right? Everything in between, in every situation. So just, to, just so we're clear, that covers pretty much everything? Okay, I'm just checking, all right. So in every situation, by prayer and petition, we'll come back to that, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, you're kind of wrestling on your spiritual journey, who is Jesus, where am I in relation to that, like, I don't know how I feel about following Jesus and the church and God and all that. If, if you're kind of wrestling with all of that, that's totally cool. Um, but the picture that the scriptures author carry is not only like this amazing God who has all power, but God as a father, one who's definitely interested in the big and small things of your life. And so it's like this invitation to come to God with any and every request. Not like a vending machine, right, but in relationship. And before we go any further, there's just a couple things we have to wrestle with here. Again, life beneath the surface stuff, right? So in order to do this, in, order, in every situation, present your request to God. In order to do this, you have to know when and why you're experiencing anxiety, right? So if you're like me, I don't, I don't know. You might not be like me. If you're like me, I try to ignore every feeling that's not a good feeling. And so then it's really, you know what? I don't talk to God a lot about the things that I'm stressed out about because I try not to be stressed out about them. <laughs> Even though they're back there. I'm like, oh no, let's just keep moving on. Let's keep, you know, be busy, be distracted, work hard, whatever, watch Netflix. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. I just don't want to deal with it. That's my, some of you, anxiety is so massively dominating your mind that you can't slow down to talk to God about it because it's just, it's just like you're drowning in it. So wherever you are, you have to know when and why you're experiencing anxiety in order to make a request. Or like Pete Scazzaro, so when, when you go through our, our growth track here and you join the team here at City Church, you become a, a part of, of City Church, um, we give you two books. One is called Fields of Gold. It's on like a posture of generosity. And the second one is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And a bunch of you have that book because you joined the team and a bunch of you haven't read it and you need to, okay? Um, I read that book and it was one of the most helpful, like I've been following Jesus for over a decade, one of the most formative books at the end of a decade of following Jesus. 
it wrecked me in such a good way. I went from being an emotional idiot to being aware that I was an emotional idiot. It was so helpful. And, and since then, it's been a really helpful space of beginning to process what it means to follow Jesus with our whole lives and not compartmentalize. So the idea is that emotions have to be acknowledged before they can be moved through. One of the challenges that I struggle with is denying emotion. And, and what that does is it ignores an entire part of my humanity. It makes it really hard to follow Jesus and love others well and even know myself. There's, a, there's a, an invitation in 1 Peter uh, that says, cast your cares on God who cares for you. But you can't cast the cares that you have on God if you don't know what they are. And that's one of my struggles. That might not be you. But Pete, uh, in that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says you have to name your feelings before you can tame your feelings. Pretty good. So, very simple. In every situation, present your request to God. So one of the things might be just being aware of it in whatever practice that might be. So for me, it's, it's journaling and processing that way or maybe praying out loud, whatever it is for you. But he goes on. He says, uh, in, in a couple of ways, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he gives us a couple things to do. So this word prayer, uh, um, it, it can be translated as the, the very simple like relational idea of being with Jesus. So this is not making requests. That's what petition is. We'll get there in a second. The specific requests. This is, prayer is simply being with Jesus. We talked about wh- what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's be with Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what he did. That's what it means to follow Jesus. To respond to that invitation and say, Jesus, I trust you and I give you my life. I'm going to learn to be with you. And in being with you, I'm going to become like you. And then I'm going to do the things that you would do if you were me. But it starts with prayer or, or just the relational side of being with Jesus. Ronald Rollheiser said it this way, that this is very simply relaxing into God's goodness. It's just slowing down enough to be present to God. You might do this through a breath prayer, opening up the scriptures, getting quiet, the practice of silence and solitude like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is just being with Jesus. And he says, from that place, we enter into petition. That's asking. That word can be translated contending. It's like bringing every, all the stuff that you're wrestling with, or other people are wrestling with, circumstances around you, things that are massively out of your control, and you bring your requests to God who cares for you. And then he says, with thanksgiving. So the, uh, every week we gather, uh, um, we have teams that serve, you know, so here you got coffee and kids are having a blast today and you got greeted on, on, on the welcome team outside. Can we put our hands together for everyone that served today? Yeah, man, like, so cool. So we have, we, have, we have team members that show up every week early on a Sunday and they serve you in different ways and it's such a joy to serve and, and we love to do that. And then at 9.45, we gather for prayer. Before we do anything else, we gather for prayer. And today, we spent the entire 15 minutes just in thanksgiving. God, thank you that. God, thank you that. God, thank you that. And gratitude is an intentional practice that takes the complexity of life and the, and the complexity of circumstances off of, of the center stage, and then we get our eyes on Jesus. And as simple as that sounds, it's actually really hard to do because you have to do it. And so we can, we, it, what's, what's interesting is, you know, we can talk about our favorite TV show for 30 minutes, but then you sit down and talk about what you're thankful for, and you got to sit there and think about it for a minute. Is that interesting? So the practice of, of, of cultivating Thanksgiving is something that begins to move our hearts and minds off of our circumstances and on to Jesus, which is really important. God, thank you that. God, thank you that. God, thank you that. And he goes on. So he says, okay, so if you're not going to be anxious, 
can make your request with prayer, being with Jesus, petition, very specific asking, thanksgiving, remembering who God is, who he's been, who he says that he is. You're going to present those requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, as in it doesn't make sense. You can't bottle it and package it and sell it on eBay. It, it'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The heart in the scriptures is the center and the source of your whole life. With, with thinking, feeling, and volition. It's, it's you when the scripture authors talk about the heart. And then the mind is your thought life, your mental maps, your framework, your worldview. And he's saying, if you will do this, then the peace of God will guard your hearts against what? Against the lies, against the anxiety, against the creeping depression, the things that bury you. It's actually gonna guard your heart, your whole life, and your mind against those things. Again, this is mental math. So, so, so what's going on? He's, he's addressing not just like our circumstances around us, but how we think influencing what we do with anxiety. So he goes on. Let me show you this. He doesn't stop there. He says, finally then, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and pra or praiseworthy, think about such things. I want you to just... Think about the thing that's the top of your list anxiety right now, just the, most, just the very first thing that comes to mind. And how much of that anxiety lines up with this list? Like most of the stuff that I get stressed about doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> it's not true or right or pure or lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. No, it's not any of that. He says, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Is that word again? that what we do influences who we become, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so here we are in, in this space. He's given us the command, don't be anxious. He's given us the how. How many of you feel like it still hasn't been fixed? You're like, hmm, great. <laughs> just go back into Monday, and we just keep going. I want you to just imagine this, this picture here. What he's helping us understand is that we have to change the way that we think in order to deal with what's happening on the inside. And we don't do that on our own. So, so have you ever washed a shirt by hand? Like a, like a, you ever had a really dirty piece of clothing or whatever, and you wash, this is a white one, a white one is really helpful, and you put it under the water, and you put some soap in it, and you begin to like rub it and let the water wash through and the soap do its work, and you actually start to wash out the things that were dirty? Right? That's the idea for our, our mental maps in our minds. If we want to renew the way that we think, it's like washing a shirt. You, have to let, you, you can't just like stop thinking about anxiety. You have to replace those thoughts. That's what he's getting at here. We're going to guard our heart, guard our minds. That is actually an intentional effort of replacing thoughts, not just trying not to think about it. One of the, the defaults that I run into is I, I try to just like turn off those thoughts but Jesus is actually inviting us to turn them around. And that's why I often get stuck. So let me give you just a personal example. It's a little lighthearted uh, um, compared to like genuinely some, some of the stuff my friends are walking through. Um, but again, I think all of it matters. And I think as long as we can, we can view it in the right perspective, then it's totally helpful. So two weeks ago, uh, my truck was stolen, my, my personal truck. I, like behind my house, someone stole my truck. If you have it, let me know, okay? Uh, so, so we're coming up on 20 days of it being gone. It was kind of cool, actually. Like it, um, uh, it was it was cited. This wasn't very cool. It was cited in two additional robberies and then like three police chases. So I was like, "Let's go, truck!" 
but not, you know, so now, anyway, it's been radio silence, it's gone, haven't seen it, I don't know, so, so, you know, just a natural, like, insurance and all the things, it's just kind of a headache, it's really inconvenient, also, like, uh, uh, me and, and uh, my buddy Seth, we own a, a mobile car wash business on the side, and so then, like, half of our gear was in the back of that truck as well, so, like, a thousand dollars worth of gear, and then my truck, it's just been a headache, and I'm like, oh, man, and at first, my first response was, wow, that's a big bummer, <laughs> and, um, kind of annoying and inconvenient. And then uh, that first week I was in a meeting with some of my coaches and um, we're talking about like, hey, how we can pray for each other and we're praying about helping our church and making disciples. And I, so I, I listed a bunch of things and at the very end I was like, oh, hey, if you guys could pray, like someone sold my truck this week and just help me to, you know, just pray that it all works out. And they're like, wow, Drake says a lot about you that like, that's the last thing that you say. Like that says a lot about your maturity. And I'm like, and, and I was like, oh, thanks. And then like a day later I was thinking about it, like, did it? Or does it show how much of an emotional infant I am that I'm trying not to actually deal with what's going on inside of me? I was like, ah, that's it. It came in last because I don't want to think about it. And then as insurance does, right, you do the over and over again. It's just a constant game. Um, and it's just a truck and it's just stuff and no one was hurt, blah, blah, that's fine, okay. Uh, um, so, so all that's the reality. But over and over again, like it's coming waves for me um, of being stressful, being overwhelming, uh, what am I going to do, are we going to be compensated well, are we gonna, is it ever going to come back, or, or can we even get into something else, like, it's just a lot, right, and, and again, you're like, no, that's kind of dumb, you know, like, my, my friend over here has cancer, what is that, I'm, not, I, I'm with you, it's not really a great reason to be anxious, but, but I'm not really an anxious person, just in my personal consideration, but I've been, like, kind of struggling with anxiety, and I'm like, it's really ironic that I'm teaching on anxiety, and I'm walking through this at the same time. And I was like, maybe it's just because my life is so good, I don't struggle a lot. <laughs> hmm, all right. So wrestling with all of that and gratitude and thanksgiving. And, and man, so here's what, here's what happened. As it come up, I, I would do the practice. I, I go to my journal, and I, and I pray. All right, God, like, and, what, and I'm trying to, like, what, what matters here? What am I actually praying for? God, here's what I'm feeling. I'm just journaling it down. I think better either on paper or out loud. And so here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm feeling. And I kept, you know, doing that. Yeah, this, this, and this, this. I get another call the next day. This, and I'm just writing it down. And like, Nothing was changing. I'm like still stressed out. I'm still anxious. I'm still frustrated at times and try to ignore it. Then it comes back up and I'm like, what, what is happening? Why do I even care? Why, what is going on? And so over and over again. And then I'm like trying to practice and I'm preaching to you guys. I'm like, how am I? I can't even deal with it. I'm not going to help them. And, and then I was getting ready for the end of this message. And I was like, holy crap. There's a really important part of this whole process that I haven't been doing. So here's what I was, I would go to Jesus. Like, hey, here's what I'm stressed out about. And I'd, I'd let him have it, all right? Like, I'd let him know, like, all the things. But I wouldn't take any time to replace those thoughts. I'd walk in, hey, Jesus, here's my stuff. And I'd pick it back up, and I'd walk right back out. <laughs> and the next day, I'd come back, hey, Jesus, just in case you forgot, it's all right here. And then I'd load it back up and walk right back out. And over and over again, I just kept going to Jesus and telling him about my stuff, but I didn't do anything to replace the way that I was thinking. And I sat down. And then I started working on this message. <laughs> and I feel like a hypocrite. I'm like, God, what, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, I suck at this. And then Paul's words in Romans 12 came to mind. He says that we are transformed. He says, don't, don't conform. Yeah, you had it. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you guys have Romans 12 there? Don't conform to the pattern of this world the dominant reality of anxiety. Don't conform to that. Don't let that be the water you swim in. Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. 
I wish it was be transformed by going to church on Sunday. Be transformed by whatever simple things we want to insert. You know, like, like just a little, and those are important. But be transformed by, by the renewing of your mind, like washing a dirty shirt. You replace the things that are untrue with truth. You see, our, our thoughts, they inform the reality that we live into. Our thoughts, they form our mental maps. Our beliefs, they inform our actions. What my head and my heart are, are saturated in, my hands eventually display. So if you're like me, sometimes you get stuck in these tracks of like, my life has to go this way. And then when it doesn't, things are struggling and falling apart. But the invitation here with Jesus is life doesn't have to go my way and I can still be okay. And, and I think one of the challenges is we hope that by praying it just fixes everything. But the invitation is not to simply experience the peace of God, but to actually know the God of peace. You see, peace is not the absence of anxiety, but it's confidence in the presence of Jesus in the middle of that chaos. I want Jesus most of the time because I want his peace to come after my circumstances. God fix this for me. More times than not, Jesus is more concerned with coming after my heart with his peace. Sometimes I get it wrong. I, I, I like to think that Je and the invitation to follow Jesus is follow me and nothing bad will ever happen. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And Jesus is the perfect example. He's like the best person on the planet and the worst thing ever happened to that dude. So, so one of the things we have to do is kind of rework our mental maps of even what Jesus is inviting us into. He didn't say, don't worry, nothing bad will ever happen. He says, no matter what happens, I'm with you in it. And one of the invitations is that we can become the kind of people that are non-anxious in the middle of really heavy circumstances. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I'd rather just have good circumstances, right? But you and I both know that we don't have control over that. And life and hard knocks, they come at us whether we want it or not. So as we wrestle with what it means to follow Jesus, the invitation is to become a different kind of person. And so one of the things that I started to do is I started to quote scripture over my mind. And, and actually Daniel prayed over me this morning when we were praying together. And he said, God, you have always taken care of Drake and his family in this exact kind of scenario a thousand times before. You've done it before, you can do it again. This is who you say you are. You're still that same God right now. And just taking a moment to let the truth wash over the lies in my mind. Last night I sent Danielle the verse from Matthew chapter 6. Where Jesus says, don't, don't worry, don't be anxious. Birds and the flowers, right? He says, what is your worrying doing for you? Can it add a single day to your life? No, but it can rob me of plenty. And so I just start to wash my mind in the reality. I don't have control over a lot of things right now. But Jesus is with me in it, and there are some realities that matter a lot more than what my attention and my affection are pointed at. So, I don't know where you are in this journey, and I realize right at that surface level, but the invitation today is very simple. To hear the command, to step into the how of the practice, and just see if the space of allowing God to transform your thought life begins to also inform some of the other stuff going on under the surface. So let's go to some next steps for a moment. Reflection and practice today. Number one, 
I want to encourage you to create space for silence and solitude and Sabbath. These are practices we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about for, for, for life underneath the surface. This is just creating margin. What does it do? To get alone with God and yourself and be quiet allows you to actually open up and process, to name your feelings so then you can start to tame them, to identify what's going on, to plug in the reader and figure out why is the check engine light on? Silence, solitude, Sabbath, a day of rest. These are important practices that open us up to the life that God has for us, allows us to do the work with Jesus underneath the surface, okay? Uh, as I was talking to one of my friends this week, uh, we were just talking about these different conversations, and one of the things he says, man, I just don't know, I, I don't know the promises of God. I was like, well, the good news is they're right there in front of you. You can know them. So, so, so one of the things you can do is, is you lean into community, you lean into the scriptures, you lean into prayer, and you allow those things to inform your thought life. So the second thing is this. Prioritize the space of community for yourself and others. Now, this is a dance, right? I, I realize sometimes you can be so stuck that being alone is not good for you. And so I would encourage you, right? Silence and solitude is, is different from isolation. So you need community. You need people around you who will tell you the truth when you can't tell yourself the truth. You need it. And the people around you need you to be that for them. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in our own stuff that we forget that God can use us in the middle of our, our heaviness. We feel maybe disqualified. Like we can't possibly help when we're walking through what we're walking through. God can use you just as much in someone else's life in the same way they can do it for you. And sometimes we, you get in a group and you share what's going on in your life and someone can speak the truth over that for you or they can give you a verse or they can give you a promise from God that you can let to start wash the truth over you to replace the way that you think, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where the practice of scripture memory actually is helpful. So like if you do it for gold stars, I don't know where they hand those out, okay? But, but if you do it to renew your mind, it makes all the difference. God, you said this. Here's what I'm feeling, but here's what you said. God, here's what, and you, go, you take your request. God, I'm really struggling with this, but here's what you said. God, I'm really struggling with this, but here's who you've been. God, I'm really struggling with this, but here's who you say that I am. You don't, you don't have to like any of that or even to feel it to do it. And the practice, it forms you. So let the scriptures and let prayer, and let resources. There's journals in the lobby. There's Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. There's devotionals. We have all kinds of tools for you. But maybe what you need is community just to help you do the few things that you know you need to be doing. And the last thing is this. Don't underestimate the value and life that you can bring to people who don't yet know the God of peace. There's a couple of things coming up that God has the chance to, listen, he'll use you anytime, anywhere, any day. But there are seasons and moments when we can work together and have an intentional focus of prayer and affection toward God and his heart for the city. And so you've got City Church's birthday next week, an easy invitation to come grab some tacos, right? You, you've got, you've got the, the Boulder uh, uh, community night at, at Boco Cider, a great way to expose people to life-giving community. You've got Easter where we're going to celebrate the biggest reality of our trust in Jesus. 
that who he said he was and what he said he could do, he actually proved through his resurrection. And you know what? They might say no to all of those things. But it doesn't mean that you don't have influence and love in their life. It doesn't mean you give up on them. It doesn't mean you don't go to dinner with them or have them over and love them and pray for them and invest in them. And so then you sign up for the spiritual engagement uh, uh, training in order to just be more equipped to meet people where they are. It doesn't really matter. Just don't underestimate that no matter what you're walking through, no matter how hard life seems, no matter honestly how busy you are and how distracted you are, that God can use you in the middle of everything that's going on around you. And I would argue not just that he can, but he wants to. And there's way more people that you represent that I could never have influence with. And that's not my job anyway. So no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I hope these things are helpful. But I would encourage you, this week you have a chance to process this with community in your city groups. If you're not in a city group, join one. We'd love to have you in one. Grab the resources, scriptures, all that stuff. You can do a quick Google search. <laughs> Verses about money. <laughs> Verses about relationships. Verse, and, and then just let those be something you renew your mind with. Does that make sense? Just an invitation to practice. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the space that we have today to dig a little bit more underneath the surface. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, sometimes I'm scared of what I'm going to find there. I feel ill-equipped to deal with what's going on underneath the surface. I see the check engine light. I see the warnings. I see the signal. But man, I, I just don't want to touch it partly because it overwhelms me, partly because I don't know how to respond, partly because I'm believing lies. And I know my friends in the room struggling with different levels of anxiety and depression, seeing therapists on medication, all these different things, and, and they can be helpful, but God, some of us, we just feel stuck. Thank you that we have an invitation to bring it to you, to cast our cares on you, to let them go and put them on you and to pick up a different way of thinking about the things that we're struggling with. So Jesus, help us to understand your love and the invitation, and help us also to be the kinds of people that point people back to the truth, the things that you say are true, the things that the Scripture says is true about reality. God, I realized uh, this morning that there are some of us walking through anxieties and depressions that are such large mountains that, that they, they seem immovable. They're so far out of our control, we can do nothing. No matter how much we push and how much effort we spend, it's not moving at all. So God, I pray not only for your peace over those spaces, but God, we pray for the miraculous, that you would move the mountains that we cannot God, would you use us to be an encouragement for those that are walking through the heaviness of life? Jesus, thank you that you are with us even when our circumstances are not ideal. So help us to trust in you. It's in Jesus' name.